but this is the Eastern Star Church, where Jesus is exalted and the word is explained. And uh, we appreciate all of you for tuning in, for coming on. Uh, yesterday, we had a bit of a, we had a bit of a technical difficulty. Um, I premiered a, uh, you know, our, our we do our debrief every Wednesday evening. And over the past couple of weeks, I've had some guests uh, from the church to come on. And yesterday I had Brandy Allen and Hazel Owens to help debrief Sunday's message. And we pre-recorded it on a Tuesday to upload it Wednesday. But for whatever reason, Facebook only played like 20 minutes of our video. So um, I'm gonna have to make it up to uh, Brandy and Hazel and have them come on next week and see if we can get it together. Uh, but today, I have with me, I uh, have with us our senior pastor, Pastor Jeffrey Allen Johnson, Sr. And uh, he is one of the hardest working preachers on this side of heaven, uh, continuing to uh, explain God's word at a high level, uh, continuing to be the pastor that he is, um, and continuing to uh, make a difference in uh our community in this city, in this state, in this country and world. Uh, so for those who, for those of you who are streaming right now, um, uh, I will ask for you to do us a favor, share this video as we continue to uh, expand the kingdom, expand uh, the gospel into different areas. And we ask that uh, you will just uh, continue uh, to engage with us tonight as we continue to converse about the kingdom of God and the things of God. Um, Pastor Johnson, how you doing tonight, sir? I'm fantastic, son. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I uh, I'm trying to, you know, finish up my paper uh, for class. And then <laughs> I got my uh, my Greek class that starts Monday, so we're there's no breaks. We're just hopping right into it. Uh, but everything is good. Uh, you know, staying busy, staying on top of things. Um, and we all know that you have been busy uh, over the past several weeks. Um, and we'll get into a little bit about about that and how you feel. And I know that uh, you you were scheduled a sabbatical uh, that I, I pray that I hope that is still on on the books, uh, despite of what's going on, just because I've seen you over the past several weeks just putting in so much work. Uh, and I don't know if, you know, people just see all these devotionals and sermons that you be putting out and interviews and Zoom calls. Uh, and not necessarily know uh, the work that 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 takes behind the scenes, and so we'll get into that little conversation a little bit later. But uh, yesterday, you preached a sermon as you do every Wednesday noon, uh, and you made a slight shift. I want to ask you about that in a second. But um, if you were to give your sermon in a sentence, uh, looking at yesterday, your sermon in a sentence. Uh, dealing with Peter and uh, his second chance that he was able to experience with God, what would be your sermon in a sentence? You know, these sentences every week are getting longer and longer. They're a sermon <laughs> in a paragraph now. Uh, yeah, in Mark chapter 16, when Jesus was raised from the dead and the women went to the tomb, there was a young man sitting there as a stone had been rolled away. And they said, Jesus is not here. He's risen as he told you. And here's Here's his message. Go and tell his disciples and Peter to meet him in Galilee. And I just, I was intrigued by the and Peter because those of us who read scripture, 
we know Peter is a disciple. So if you say, tell my disciples and Peter, why do you need and Peter? Just tell my disciples, meet me in Galilee. That you would think that would be enough. But Peter had messed up so bad. He had sinned so bad. He had missed the mark, personal failure, faults. And it was so messed up until maybe in his mind, Peter is thinking that I'm no longer counted with the disciples. And so the sermon in the sentence is that no matter how bad we mess up in the past, that Jesus still has a place for us as disciples in the present. That's what that's about. It's always good to hear that reminder about the grace, the mercy, and the forgiveness of God. And it was interesting that you preached about that on Wednesday because on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday evening, I was on Facebook Live and, uh, you know, doing my sermon from the kitchen. And I looked at uh, King David and I talked about the dangers of working from home. And when King David uh, stayed home from work and uh, started to glance, uh, to gaze at something longer than he should have been looking at, found himself in trouble. And just talked about how despite of the fact that he messed up in that situation with Bathsheba, you know, the Bible still refers to David as a man after God's own heart and that God's love uh, is not limited or it does not. Uh, it, it, it continues to extend towards us despite of the sins that we commit and the mistakes that we made. I wanted to ask you about that because uh, over the over the past several weeks, you've been dealing with a lot about you know, storms and how to manage some tough times and dealing with problems and issues. Why do you think that uh, a sermon like that dealing with, you know, a second chance, continuing to be in the context that we're in now, why do you think a sermon like that is important? Yeah, and you've been around me long enough. I don't always tell people when I'm in a series. <laughs> they tell me you're supposed to promote your series, let people know where you're going, have anticipation. So on on Sundays, I'm still dealing with crisis and chaos, confusion, storms. We're looking at Noah. Um, but on Wednesdays, I was, I'm was i still uh, dealing with the residue of the, of the resurrection. I'm in the aftermath of the resurrection after Jesus was raised from the dead. So I have uh, three messages on that. And But even in this crisis that God is looking for and, and the disciples were in a crisis, oppression by the Roman government. Um, for many, their hopes died on the cross. They thought he was the Christ till he died on the cross. And so there, there was, um, they're in oppression. They're in a crisis. And Jesus needs his disciples to get it together. He needs his disciples to, fit, to, to understand what we're called to do. Why are we here? What's our purpose? Giving them the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in the, in the aftermath of the resurrection, Jesus needs his sons and daughters to do what we've been placed on this planet to do. And some of us feel like that this crisis is here, that, that somehow God sent this pandemic because I sinned so bad, God is trying to punish me. Well, if God needed to punish you, he doesn't have to send a pandemic to the world. He can just get you. So... <laughs> Just helping people to shape their theology. You may have messed up. You may have sinned. God may discipline you. Well, he will discipline you. But God still has a place for you. And for Peter to have messed up so bad, 
And Jesus not only told him, and Peter, you're still my disciple, but gave him the, the, the keynote speaker for the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit showed up and the church was born. And he preached that one sermon and 3,000 souls got saved. That happened after his mess up. So I'm hoping that in this crisis, in this pandemic, in this time of hurt and pain and confusion and, and theological wrestling, mm. that we need disciples to connect with Christ and other Christians so that we can do God's will. So that's kind of what that's what's coming out of that. Yeah, I want to ask, because you also looked at, uh, you compare Peter with Judas. I want to ask you this last thing before we move to the next piece. Uh, you know, with Judas, or dealing with Peter, he was able to find, you know, forgiveness, uh, another chance. Like you said, he preached that sermon, was able to make a difference in the kingdom, all because after he sinned, he repented of his sin. He was he was sorry for his sin. But then on the other hand, you have Judas who also messed up. And really all the disciples messed up. As you talked about in that sermon, they all turned their back on Jesus. Uh, but specifically Judas uh, asked for 30 pieces of silver and he messed up. But instead of, you know, repenting, he gave up on himself and he committed suicide and he wasn't open to, to God's forgiveness. I want to ask you, uh, why do you think people are not open to the forgiveness of God or what, what, what do you think goes on in people's, you know, minds or spirits when they mess up and we preach forgiveness, but they feel like they can't receive that forgiveness. Yeah. We, we do know that the enemy can disguise himself as an angel of light and deceive even the very elect. Mm -hmm. And some of us, our theology is so off that, that we think that if I sin, God is through with me. If I if I sin, that there's no place for me in the kingdom. That God doesn't want me to serve Him anymore. And our the and because our theology is so off base, I believe what we be what we believe dictates our behavior. We behave the way we behave because of how we believe. And so, if you believe that I sin, I messed up, and it's so bad that God won't forgive me then why would I go to God and ask him for forgiveness? So your belief is, is pushing your, your behavior. But man, that Judas piece is really deep and I didn't get into it on Sunday. It's uh, in the message. Was it Wednesday? All my days are running together on Wednesday. But some suggest, you know, Judas was a handpicked disciple, picked by the Lord. He was, you know, he carried the bag. He was the chief financial officer for the ministry of Jesus. And you know, they were before Jesus was crucified. They were in the upper room talking about who's going to sit where in the kingdom. They argued over our seats in the. When you start this kingdom, Jesus, who gets to sit where? And there are those that suggest that Judas did believe Jesus was the Messiah. He ready to establish a kingdom that he thought was going to overthrow the Roman government and be an earthly kingdom and all. They 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 all base with that, but they say that Judas really did what he did to push Jesus' hand. It wasn't the 30 pieces of silver. What it was was Jesus is taking too long to do what he said he's going to do with his kingdom. So I'm going to push his hand. I'm going to press this. I'm going to get those soldiers to come in there. I'm going to get him arrested and try to press Jesus into going ahead and establishing his kingdom. But he didn't know it was going to be as bad as it was. They, he saw Jesus going to the judgment hall, so I'm getting beaten, whipped carrying his own cross down on the ground. He's like, man, I didn't know all that was going to happen. And, and after that, Judas was also sorry. And he did go and confess. But he went and confessed to the scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priests. It, 
be careful who you confess your sins to. And um, and because he confessed to the wrong, he was sorry, but he never repented to Jesus and confessed to Jesus and started doing that, which is self-destructive. And all of us know at least one somebody that's messed up. And rather than going to Jesus and getting the love and the forgiveness that he offers, we turn to drugs and alcohol, turn our back on Christ and just illicit sexual situations. These, this self-destructive behavior, all because we don't understand theologically the love and the forgiveness that Jesus offers and another chance. Yeah, that's good. And too, I think a lot of times we're so judgmental on Judas uh, with that 30 pieces of silver. But I mean, for many of us, we there's some people out there that have a price. Uh, it may not be 30 pieces of silver. I don't know what your price is to turn your back on Jesus. But then Jesus offers this question. What good is it for you to gain the whole world, but then lose your soul? Um, and I just, you know, I'm grateful that number one, I'm grateful that, you know, the Bible doesn't hide the mistakes of the leaders of the characters that they expose. Um, but then I'm also grateful that, uh, cause it shows us that despite of our mistakes, despite of our past, God still has a purpose for our lives. And uh, we see that played out with Peter. And if Judas could have waited just a little while longer, uh, Jesus was working on that forgiveness of his sin. And, uh, and I'm just grateful uh, that Peter was able to find that forgiveness and then take, take his ministry to a whole nother level. Um, and so before I move on to this, you know, we got, we got people tuned in live right now and they're making fun of me because of that picture that you got uh, behind you. They're talking about me with the picture, man. See, see, yeah. I told before we started, I said, please remove that picture, but he didn't want to remove it. So we still working with it. I'm at home. I got my four sons. I have uh where have my point? Right here. 1986, May 31st, 1986. And my four sons. And then I got Jeffrey Allen the third up up here. I'm at home. <laughs> We I, next time we'll do it before I get home. That <laughs> means right. I walk. My office is downstairs, so when I'm downstairs, I'm at work. Then I walk. Up, I walk upstairs. <laughs> I'm at home. So next time I stay at work late. It's in the basement. I don't know how old I was in that picture, but them glasses were trash. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Sunday you say you're focusing. Wednesday you're dealing with the residue of the resurrection, which yes. I think is very important because. Uh, for many of us, we just kind of stop at the resurrection. We praise God for that, but not really looking at the responsibilities that, you know, Christ bestowed on us as believers to move on um, after the resurrection. Um, and then on Sunday, you deal with the crisis. And then, you know, this past Sunday, uh, you dealt with, you know, life, uh, living life after the storm and talked about being patient after the storm before we exit the ark and, you know, live in this new normal after the storm. Um, and as we've been seeing and watching in the news recently, there have been many governors throughout this country who uh, have now uh, been talking about reopening the states and reopening the economy and all of these things. Um, and then, of course, our president uh, of the United States have been kind of pushing that rhetoric and trying to get governors to reopen the states uh, uh, rather quickly, some, 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 some would say. So what would be your, your, I guess, your general thoughts on that as governors begin to reopen these states, despite of what health experts say, that we could see another spike in cases and deaths if we move too quickly in this. Yeah, I, I for me, this is just me personally. 
Um, I think we need to be patient. I think that lives are important. When somebody dies, that's significant. And then what it does to their families and what it does to them psychologically and emotionally, what it does to our communities and our churches when somebody dies. And then the sicknesses that are there. And so some of these areas, you know, we talk about New York and California. Those are big states and big cities. And so they have big hospitals. But there are other like rural areas and some other areas that don't have the capacity that if something jumps off to even be able to address it. And it's for me to tell me we have to have testing before we know how how expansive this thing is. And they say, well, we're going to open the state. We don't have the testing, but we're going to open the states and we're going to open the cities back up. Well, we don't know who has it. And so now we got people walking around with the coronavirus, spreading the coronavirus, but we don't know they had a coronavirus because we don't have enough testing. And then in areas like, you know, we're one church in three locations, and one of our locations is in Arlington Woods in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is one of the most, which is one of the hotspots. There's nowhere to be tested over there. And so now you're talking about opening the city back up and they, no one's been tested in that community, which is already a hotspot. So to me, I think we just need to be a little more patient. And I understand, believe me, I grew up in poverty. I lived in poverty. I will never forget the poverty I was in. I understand people having to eat. I understand people having to go to work. But I don't want you to go to work have somebody sneeze next to you and then you take that coronavirus back to your family and make things worse for your family. Uh, so that that's, I'm, I'm just, my, my prayer is that decisions will not be political, that it will be moral, ethical decisions. But when you have people making decisions who have no morality and no ethics, how you gonna make a moral decision when you are immoral? So yeah. uh, we just have to be careful about that. And you and I talked about before, even when we talk about the gospel, you gotta be careful who you listen to and who you look to, to get that message. And so when it comes to this coronavirus and whether or not to open the city and the states, we gotta be careful who we listen to and who we look to in terms of our counsel. Uh, Jamal Bryant pastors in, um, in Atlanta, Georgia, and his argument was, you opening barbershops, you opening beauty shops, you opening movie theaters, you opening tattoo parlors, but you didn't open the state house. So you still at home, Mr. Governor. Wow. If you want to show us how safe it is, open the state house, go to work, you and all your staff and all your employees, before you send us, model before us how safe it is. And I, I thought that was a significant statement. Yeah. Leadership is not just pointing where to go. It's it's demonstrating it is living it out. So if it's that safe, then show us it's that safe. Man. But they, they, you know, people, we need to be patient. And and I, I really don't. I get my I don't get my counsel and advice from certain people. And you just have to be careful who you get your counsel and advice from before you go out there and expose yourself to something and expose your family to something that's going to make things worse for you and your community. That's my take on that. That's good. And I mean, like you said, be careful who you listen to. And so even with Noah, um, as he's, as he's, 
waiting patiently on that arc. He's listening to the voice of God all while being yeah. patient with the process. Like you talked about Sunday, being patient with, you know, the personalities that he had on board. Um, and, and then, you know, we talked about the, the coronavirus and its effects on the black community. And, you know, you talked about in Georgia, all those uh, different establishments that you list listed, uh, no one argues that those, those are the establishments that black folk frequent. Uh, and so, and to, so you open up the, the states and the cities back up and these businesses back up um, for people of color to continue to frequent and work and, and, and enjoy and entertain themselves. It continues to have our people uh, be more vulnerable and open to this disease and the, the causes of these disease or the, the, the results of these diseases. Um, how should we as believers, uh, as the church respond? Because, you know, once the governor says, you know, everything is back open, then churches are then free to open up their buildings and, you know, large gatherings, uh, it, you know, it, it leads to spreading of this particular disease. So as as believers, do we continue? In some cases, do we listen to the governor or is God saying something different or how, how do we discern God from the government? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Discerning the voice of God, and we, you know, we're bringing up Genesis chapter eight, and uh, we left off this this past week with with Noah opening the window, and then the raven going out, and then the dove going out, and he still didn't open the door after that. It wasn't until God said it's time to come out, and God made that determination, and I believe. Even in this situation, it's not going to be the health professionals. It's not going to be the political officials. Uh, it's not going to be pastors and ministers. It's, it's, going, it's going to be God telling us. and But to be open to the voice of God, to the revelation of God. And God speaks through his word. He speaks through his Holy Spirit. He speaks through other people. He speaks through visions and dreams. He can speak through so many situations and circumstances. And I'm looking at the situations and the circumstances to hear the voice of God. I, I just, I love the people that God gave to our ministry, allowed me to have some degree of stewardship over. I love them so much that I don't want to put them in jeopardy. I don't want to put them in a situation that I don't have to. Um, and all I had to do was wait a few more days. So I'm trying to hear God's voice. And I know everybody has their own context. We talk about that all the time. You have your own context on, on, uh, on what God is calling you to, to do and how to minister. But I just, I can't, I can't see opening the doors of that church, letting thousands of people climb back in there. Climb. You know how we sit. They did a study. When I, when I first started building facilities and worship centers and churches, there was a study out that said black people sit closer in church than white people. I'm like, who studies it? Who counts the inches between? Anyway, but we sit so close to one another and then, and we hit each other and we hug each other, we kiss each other and we on top of each other. And then you singing and somebody behind you singing. Man, we just got to be careful. And then to open our churches, even if we try to sit six feet apart, I mean, how do you keep a a five-year-old from running off to jump in his grandmother's lap or kids run up in the pulpit and grab on me all the time. How do you keep kids from being with each other and all that kind of stuff? So I just think 
patience and trying to hear God's voice and looking at the situation and the circumstance. When we get more testing, I think we'll be able to make wiser decisions uh, in regard to this. Yeah. And like you said, you know, black folk, we church differently. So not only are we sitting close together, even if we were able to somehow have the six feet of social distancing, uh, when the spirit when the spirit moves on somebody, it's a, it's a little different. When they, they'll take off running or, you know. Yeah, but how you going to stop that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard. To, it's hard to put. A, we just you know, need to be patient and hear the voice of God. Yeah, yes, yeah. sir. And then, of course, as as uh, news came out today uh, for Indianapolis, our, the mayor of, of our city uh, has extended uh, has extended the the quarantine or the stay at home policy until May 15th uh, here in our city. But we are continuing to wait on, you know, what the governor says about the state. Um, and, and, and all of these things. So we are, we're continuing to be patient uh, during this time, hearing the voice of God, all while being aware of what's going on in our in our city and state and country. Uh, but knowing that if we, as we talked about, as we talked about Sunday, as when we practice that patience um, and, and wait until we hear God's voice, uh, God has a way of opening doors for our lives and creating a new way of life for us. Because I mean. Just like Noah, it's going to be a new normal for us even once we come out of this situation. Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, what I talked about uh, in Genesis 8, that window, you know, windows are opportunities, a window of opportunity. And he opened it himself. So you and that that was a built in opportunity even before the storm came. And, and Noah had enough sense to open up a built in opportunity. Just one example of that. Um, you know, we, we're, we're talking about how to reopen our, our church is open. You know, we our, you, you can't close the church, but the, the facilities are closed. And so when we open the facilities back up and, and, and son, you know, we have facility people to clean our buildings all day, every day, every day, nobody's even in the building and they still walk through cleaning everything. And I'm like, so, um, but we're, we're looking at having companies who are certified to clean up behind coronavirus to, to, to bring them in to clean up every, every time we come into the building. Well, that's a new certification. So, man, if I've been, if I've been a custodian for 10 years and now this coronavirus is coming out, why don't I just go get whatever it takes to be certified to be able to do that? I'm sure more money and opportunities come with that. And so just, just seeing the direction that the world is going, what we like to do is talk about the good old days. And the good old days, most of the time, wasn't that good anyway, you know. But <laughs> rather than here's where we are now, here's what's happening in the world now, what, what and evaluating present need. And as I evaluate this present need, now what can I do to meet that need, to produce something, to offer service that there's a financial benefit? And that's that's normal. That's just, but it's, it's thinking through and creating opportunity, reinvesting in yourself so that you're putting yourself in a position um, to prosper even through this this crisis. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point about, 
you know, being able to observe the opportunities that have been presented uh, during during this time. And, you know, we talked about on Tuesday the difference between uh, resting and being lazy. Uh, and one could argue that David in that text was lazy after, you know, he took his nap and was just walking around the roof of the palace. Uh, but when you're resting, doesn't mean that you're doing nothing. You know, uh, laziness is rest without purpose and intentionality. Uh, but when you are resting, you can still be active. Like you said, you can still invest in yourself. You can still, you know, talk. You talked about cleaning that room in your house that you haven't touched yet or organizing your office or whatever, like continuing to uh, be active during this time. And uh, I think it was last week I was on the um, the Zoom call with uh, Brother Howard Stevenson and Nicole Barnes as we were debriefing. Uh, I think it was the sermon, God has not forgotten you. It's still on my board there. God has not forgotten you. And Nicole made the point that, uh, you know, if you are still, if you haven't changed or matured, or if you're still the same coming out of the storm as you, as you were when you're going into the storm, you, you didn't take, you didn't take this very seriously. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't really take advantage of this. Um, and so, as you said, making sure that we are observant of the opportunities uh, that has been afforded to, to some of us um, during this time, making sure that once we come out of this storm, we're on a whole nother level with God, a whole nother level with our family financially with our goals um, so that God can continue to use us. Um, but, but you keep, you know, referring to, uh, the lack of testing, uh, in our country and even in our city, um, with four, six, two, and eight, you know, being a hot spot. And, but because of the work of Eastern Star Church and, uh, being able to collaborate and partner, uh, we have opened up our main campus, which is right in the middle of that hot spot. We're able to open up that location for for testing. Uh, so talk about that for a second um, as we continue to inform our, our members and our friends about what's going on at the church with this site testing. Yeah, and 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 we're getting it up on our website now. We were they were making sure I was okay with everything that was going on there today in terms of what's going up on our website. So I approved everything. So they should be putting it up. And then Marion County Health Department has it on their on their website as well, on the details of that. Uh, our our church is a hundred years old. We have been in the Arlington Woods community for twenty five years. Our, our church grew so fast when we were on Twenty uh, Second and Andrew J Brown that we we outgrew the facility. We outgrew the We had less than three acres of land over there, and the facility could seat like seven hundred people. So uh, we moved over into Arlington Woods at 5750 East 30th Street in Indianapolis. And we have had all kind of community fairs and health fairs. And so we established this relationship with Marion County Health Department and Dr. Virginia Kane, who is the director. And so we've, we've worked with them through through um, through the years. And, and I've, I've sat on some situations with diabetes with Dr. Kane and Eli Lilly and and, uh, and so when that area was one of the hotspots, actually Dr. Kane called me and, and said, would I be willing to, to use our site for, uh, one, one, for the testing? It would be the first testing site in that area, in, that, in you know, Mary County. And, and because of the kind of church we have and the people we pastor 
I didn't have to call and ask anybody, what do you think? Do you think this is okay? Is this a good idea? Should we do this right now? The answer was yes. And so now it's just a matter of logistics. How do we make this happen? So we had like uh, the state of Indiana and their officials, and of course, uh, Representative Robert Shackelford and others, uh, Mayor Joe Hogsett got in on it, and Dr. Jenny Kane and the um, uh, Department of Marion County Health Department, and then Eastern Star Church, and our team got in on it. And when I tell you, a lot has happened in the last week just putting it together. And so they were at the site uh, today uh, and yesterday getting everything set up. Uh, IMPD uh, in, uh, is out there. And so they, they're providing safety and logistics and direction because it's outside. So you have it where people can just drive or just 5750 East 30th Street. They want you to read, you can register online or you can register on site. Um, and of course, they want people who have um, that their doctors have said, hey, you need to go get checked out or if you have symptoms. But even if none of that happens and you just you want that test, you think, man, something ain't right. I need to go get it. You can come. And so it's a it's a drive. You can just drive through. They test you and, and go. But we know that in that community, some people don't have cars. And we don't want you to not be tested because you don't have the transportation. So you can just walk over to the church and, or there's the, the bus line stops right in front of our church. And you can take the bus, walk off the bus, go get tested, get back on the bus and go back home. And so um, it's, it's really wonderful. We have prayed and asked God to help us in this in this city and, and in our state with this. And then God opened the door. And I, I keep telling pastors how important collaborations are. Eastern Star Church couldn't have done this by ourselves, but we could do it with our city, with our state, and with the Marion County Health Department. And so I'm, I'm excited. It's going gonna, it's gonna to save lives. It's going to uh, keep the spread of the virus. It's going to keep that from taking place. And so many things are going to come out of this. And then all those volunteers over there, I mean, people who are on the front line, you got health professionals and doctors and nurses and these people, man, they just they just want to they want to do right and be right. And so I'm honored. And and Dr. Kane was like, you all have the facility. You have the parking. It's, it's perfect for what we're trying to do. And and I'm, I'm honored that, that that we've been able to step up and make this happen. And we and we're hoping that we are become the model that here's how it can be done. Here's how it can happen. And then get this thing duplicated uh, throughout our city and state. Yeah, that's I mean, that's a, a totally a big blessing, uh, especially during this time. And so we just want to, uh, you know, ask our members and our church family and friends to continue to pray uh, for that effort. Uh, you know, people during this time will get tested and lives could be saved because of this. Families, of course, will be affected because of this. And so we are grateful for that. Uh, my question is, uh, Pastor Johnson, why is this important to you? Um, you know, you know, coming out of four, six, two and eight and, you know, the work that you've been able to put in for so many years and then to, and then, you know, for during this crisis to, to set up the church as a testing site, you know, why is this important to you? And then, and then also speak to the fact that, you know, well, somebody may argue and another argument all, you know, recently has been, um, 
uh, social justice preaching and uh, social justice work, uh, you know, it shouldn't, we shouldn't be doing that within the church. Like that's, it's heresy and all these things. So speak to um, the importance that it is, how important it is for you to do this work within the community. And the fact that God has called you to not just be, to not just preach within the four walls, uh, but to step foot out of the four walls to make a difference. Yeah. Um, let, let me say too, because our church is in 46218, we're in Arlington Woods, but the testing is not just for that community. The testing is, is open to whoever needs it. Because there are other, there, there are several other hotspots um, in, in Indianapolis and there's no testing over there. So if you can get over there, then you can make that happen. And Eastern Star Church, uh, in, in terms, uh, you know, we our mission is evangelism and discipleship. We're the church where Jesus is exalted and the words is explained. And after we save souls and we're nurturing those souls and making disciples out of them, then there has to be some kind of expression of faith. Mm. And shouting on Sunday is a wonderful expression of faith. That is. I love God. I don't have any shame. He's worthy to be praised. And I don't care who sees me. That's a wonderful expression of faith. But there's also a social expression of faith. We saw it with Jesus. He talked about Caesar. He addressed Herod. He addressed Pilate. Uh, he addressed the, the social system of his day. Jesus said, the system in this community is messed up. I'm going to bring a, a new system. In the system I have, that I was hungry, you fed me. I was outdoor, you found me housing. I was I was sick and you got healthcare even though I had a pre-existing condition. Uh, that I was in prison and you you gave me a, a re-entry program to help me get reacclimated to the community. So it was a social system that Jesus was addressing. And so for Eastern Star Church, for a hundred years, they have this social expression. And then of course with the Rock Initiative dealing with enhancing that community, education, uh, financial literacy, uh, housing. And I'm the pastor of that church. And so it, I grew up, and I grew up in that community. I grew up less than a half a mile from the church I pastor in. I grew up in 46218. And, and so there are people who were like Noah that helped me through my poverty and helped me through my storm uh, and helped me in my crisis. And they opened that window for me and I don't want to be like that raven when Noah opened that window, let that raven out. That raven took off and was flying high and never came back to the community to help you make it. Mm. We never, never saw him again. Can you imagine? God's been so kind to me, son. You know, I've been around the world and, and I've, I've speaking colleges, universities and businesses and organizations and conventions. And I'm, 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 God has been so, I've been flying high. Now, what would that look like for me to fly that high and never go back to the community that helped me to make it? And so I want to be like that that dove that Noah sent out. And at least the dove came back with that twig in his mouth and brought something back to the community to help them survive and help them to make it and give them hope and expectation. When I went to Bishop College back in 1980 after graduating from Arlington High School here in Indianapolis, and we used to, they used to invite all kind of guest preachers and ministers from around the world. And then our professors and the educators there, they always talked about community. 
There are people who sacrificed for you. There are people that poured into you. There are people that got you here. You couldn't have gotten here on your own. You go back to those communities. They didn't mean go back to the exact community that did that. They meant go back to communities like and under that and help those communities. But for me, it was it was the exact same community that did that for me. I can't even express what that means and uh, and what that feels like to to pour back into the same community that 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 I accepted Christ, got my life together, modeled manhood before me, uh, taught me life skills. I was educated in that community. And to be able to go back and do some of the same things over there is just wonderful. Yeah, well, you are certainly not the raven and you are the dove and you brought a little bit more than a twig. Uh, but you have been able to bring. No, it's just in light of all that need. It's just a twig. But a twig is proof. You can blossom and bloom after a storm. It's hope that there's something better than this out here. So it's just a twig. But at least I came back and gave some. I, man, it really. I just, I don't get it that the, the community, you got these faith communities that bless people and get your soul saved and give you morals and teach you how to be a Christian and manhood and teach you life skills. And then you make it in a, well, and you don't go back. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't well, know. well, we appreciate the work that you've been putting in. And then of course, uh, for us, you know, for the, through the church to provide the testing is incredible and remarkable and so we got information that's being posted on the in the comment section right now so for for those of you uh you may not need testing but you know somebody that does need testing tell them to show up to the church uh all, throughout the month of may i believe it is right throughout the month of may monday wednesday and friday exactly and it starts tomorrow morning it's, it's 10 a.m to 6 p.m we would like you to register so please do that because we got you know you got to deal with logistics too but if you don't register, you just walk up. We will still take you. You don't have to be from that community. It's 5750 East 30th Street in Indianapolis between Emerson and Arlington on East 30th Street. And um, and tell your family, tell your friends, there is no cost. You can just drive through and get it done. Or you can walk up, get it done, catch the bus. It lets you off right in front of our church and get your test. And I believe, and you got to we'll double check the Marion County um, Health Department. I believe it's, it's 48 hours when they can uh, get, get your results back to you. You know, some of these tests have been taking a week right. where you get your results. This is like two days later, you, you'll know. And so please, man, you can go online and tell as many people as you want to tell. And we'll, we'll be there through May. And we'll see what happens uh, as we move forward. Praise the Lord. And as you see in the comment section, again, if you want more information or even to register, you can go to MarionHealth.org uh, slash IndyCOVID and uh, make your appointment and register. Um, and again, share this video, share this information so that people can become aware that there is a testing site. And if they can get to the church, they can find Hallelujah. The that they need. Um, before we get out of here, Pastor Johnson, I know uh, the past what well, I don't know month and a half, almost two months during this whole during this whole thing, uh, you know, you've been working hard, ripping and running as you normally do uh, with with your strong uh, high work ethic. Um, and before this 
before this uh, crisis came to us, and before we went, th- we're going through this. You know, your plan was to do a sabbatical. You talked, told the church, uh, you told the membership. Um, you, you plan on uh, taking a sabbatical in 2021 at the end of that at the end of the 2021 uh, year. Um, so the question is, has that changed, or and what is your what is your thought on it? And I'm sure you know a sabbatical is is more needed now than before. Yeah, I, you know. The Bible, the Bible speaks of Sabbath and rest, and God worked six days and rested. Um, uh, honor the Sabbath day, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, and so we, we know it's it's biblical, and and we see it modeled in education, we see it modeled in in corporate America, we see it modeled in the health profession, and and white churches have been doing this for a long time. And so um, Eastern Star Church, and I and I appreciate the leaders of our ministry that they're not making me do it, but they, <laughs> they're, not, they're not making me do it, but they're heavily encouraging me. Strongly suggest 32 years <laughs> to to take a break. You know, I'm from the generation. You know, they taught us if you go make it, you got to work hard. You got to work harder than the white person. You got to, you know. So I'm, you know, you hear that, and then uh, my stepfather would get up and leave by six twenty a.m. and did did come home to after six o'clock p.m. And he did that every day. And mm-hmm. my mother worked two jobs. She was a registered nurse, so she was a surgical nurse at the hospital. Then she did private duty as well. So that work ethic it was demonstrated in my home. And uh, people model that before me, and I'm I'm very comfortable with work. Uh, but I, I am at 32 years. I, I think I could take a day or two off. So in 2021, from June, your mother in the back hollering, I, "I'm at work, baby. I'm I'm working, sweetheart." <laughs> Telling me to make sure I take that sabbatical. Uh, what was I? June 2021. Yeah. Through December. Um, so I'll, I'll leave, uh, I think the second week in June, I'll return right before we celebrate the birth of our savior. And I, now I am still going to take sabbatical. Now I don't know where I'm going now. I guess (laughs) (laughs) you might have to, I forgot what, I forgot what country is some country and there it's a city up in the hill. that has got like 1700 people that live there. And they don't let anybody come in the city since the COVID-19. So I might see if they'll let me slip in there with them. Sneak in there, <laughs> But I'm going to go somewhere real high where, where the COVID-19 can't get to. So I had my stuff all lined up. Here's where I'm going. Here's what I want to do. And part of that was a cruise. I will not be taking a cruise. So, um, but no, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And, and our church, you know, uh, we're, we're in a position now where we have great leadership and you and the young people you were talking to that in ministry, we got people that can to preach and teach and we got people with gifts of administration and just our, we, and our, and our church recognizes that we have more than one pastor there. We, we're multi-generational. Uh, we're like Acts chapter six where they they had 12 pastors. And then they have the deaconias. We call them deacons. 
when you study your Greek, son, you're going to know those were ministers, but uh, they were servants. And we have that we have that kind of situation where I can step away. I'll say this about <laughs> when in Luke 15 and uh, Jesus was actually talking about the attitude of, of God towards the lost. And he said, you want to know his attitude. Look at that shepherd that had 99, had 100 sheep. One got lost. The shepherd left the 99 and went after the one and searched for him until he found him. And then he brought him back to the fold. That's the attitude of God towards the lost. That even, even if you're the one lost one, he'll go after you and come after you. That's his, even though you're the one that's lost, he'll find you and bring you back. But here's what I forgot. Was it John Westbrook? I think Westbrook, he was in, he pastored in Houston. He said that the reason why the shepherd could leave the 99 and go after the one is because he knew the 99 have enough maturity to stay together until the shepherd gets back. And so now, after 32 years, I think our congregation, we got more than 99, but I think they have enough maturity to stay together until the pastor gets back. So I, I'm going to leave. Uh, and I'm when I leave, uh, who, was, who was that talking about? Uh, Bernie Mac. When I break, I'm going to break. So I'm going to be <laughs> gone, man. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. But I'm going to work hard until then. I'm going to still get it every day till then. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we, and I don't, I mean, it's much deserved, so much deserved break. And, uh, and it's good to know that, you know, the virus didn't take everything, you know, it's still in the books, but you're going to get that break. And I know there were talks on, and we're, I guess we're still kind of talking about that behind the scenes as, as to how that looks, you know, even for the staff and the church. And, yeah. um, and even, I mean, like you talked about before, like, you know, typically congregations and staff take on the personalities of their pastor and their leader. And so with the pastor with such a strong work ethic, you know, we see that being played out in the staff. And then, of course, you know, members who continue to work hard for the community. Um, and so to be able to and then for for to be on the back end of this crisis that we're in um, is definitely something to look forward to. Yeah. You know, one thing, two things I've never taught our congregation properly. One of is is this this piece of the Sabbath. I've just never. I, you know, I mentioned it, and to, but you know, I'll spend months or years talking about a subject, and I just have not given the Sabbath that kind of attention. So we we are getting that kind of attention now. So it's not just a Sabbath for the pastor; it's recognizing what the scriptures say about Sabbath and what does that mean to those in full time ministry. What does that mean for those working for the church? What does that mean for the leaders of the ministry? And what does that mean for the body of Christ? What does that look like in your home for you to take that Sabbath and spend that time resting with your family? And so we're, we're going to get it. We're going to get it together. I just I just got to make sure that we're putting so much focus on addressing this crisis that no, no Ralph West said that you can you can do what's right the wrong way. And that we want to we want to do what's right with the crisis, but we want to do it the right way. Mm -hmm. And and remembering that Sabbath and honoring that Sabbath is still right, even in time of crisis. So we just got to make sure that we're open to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us based on what the word of God has already revealed to us. Yeah. Right. And I mean, as you mentioned, you know, dealing with that Sabbath because of, you know, the leaders that you've you know developed and poured into 
that we that we have at the church, you're able to take that break. And like you mentioned, I think it was yesterday when you were on the uh, the the live Zoom conversation with the Issachar Conference and uh, Dr. Ralph West and and the senior board there of the Issachar Conference. Uh, you know, you talked about how the, this crisis and the the response of the church. Um, you hope that in the future, the future of the church, this will help bring forth new leaders um, and have new leaders emerge uh, so that they can, you know, express their gifts at a higher level. Um, and, and of course, you know, that Sabbath that you'll take um, as the pastor will also create an opportunity for leaders, you know, to come up and emerge, as you say, to come up off the sidelines and get into the game to pull forth that effort. Uh, why is that so important to you? Like, you know, developing, you know, young leaders, new leaders, and making sure that people have the opportunity to express their gifts. Yeah. Um, you know, when <laughs> one of the arguments about the, the uh, inner circle, we call them the inner circle, you know, Jesus had 12 disciples, and then he had the inner circle, the three, Peter, James, and John. And why Peter, James, and why Jesus, why would Jesus choose them? And he lead up at nine and then take these three and go up on the Mount of Transfiguration or the Garden of Gethsemane or into Jairus's house. And as some suggest that, well, he chose them because Peter, James, and John were going to be the, 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 the lead pastors of the early church. They were going to be the senior pastors. And they were. Peter, James, and John, they were the senior pastors of their church. So spending that time with Jesus put them in the position for leaders as, as Jesus left, then they were ready for leaders. Now, others suggest that he had to keep them with him because them three cats right there, man, he, Jesus didn't know what they were going to do when he wasn't around. You know, Peter cussed out the little girl, you know, in his denial. James and John wanted to rain fire down on the community and burn the hell out of them, but they didn't do Jesus right. So he said, I can't let y'all just come with me. I need, right. come on. So there are different ways to look at that. But man, and it's, and it's not just with pastors, but there, there are pastors, you know, I'm 57 years old, and there's a generation ahead of me. They're not going to be pastoring for the next 10 or 15 years. And I don't know how long I'm going to be pastoring. And so, but it's, so there, we have to have leaders getting in that place. And we saw what happened uh, with the Church of God in Christ. I think they had 12 of their pastors, bishops. That, that passed because of the coronavirus. Wow. Which left major openings in that denomination. They need leaders to be able, so we want to make sure as we're moving forward that we're preparing leaders. But if we're going to prepare leaders, you got to be able to hear when we say it's time for the disciples to meet together with Jesus. It, that means you. And so if you don't get it, we say disciple, then we got to call you by your name, Peter, mm -hmm. disciple and Peter. So we can get you ready to do the preaching and to do the leading. And, and I believe, and I see, I see it happening right now, that people who were on the sideline, people who were uh, just marginal Christians, and, you know, I, I see them moving to the forefront and bringing insight and wisdom and skills and ability. And we need that. Yeah. We need that. And, and then people like me have to be willing to share responsibilities and share leadership. Right. And um, and I know that's not always easy. to. I was taught that and I was exposed to that from my from the church I grew up in, Pleasant Union Church in Indianapolis, uh, to, you know, the E.K. Bailey's of life in Dallas, Texas, when I was a student there and others. 
So I was exposed to that early and I saw it. So I don't, and I don't, I don't want to do all the work. I like working, but I like doing the work that I have the possibility and the capability and the gifts to do. Yeah. So to share responsibility, to share leadership and to prepare the leadership. Right. And so it, it, man, if we're going to, if we're going to get to the next level, we're going to overcome these challenges and get to the next level. New leadership has got to step up. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, you talked about your experience, but sometimes that um, is, is unheard of in the, in the black church context where you've got pastors that are literally at old age dying in the pulpit and didn't prepare the church, didn't prepare other leaders to step up. Um, but you like, I feel like before this crisis, you've done a lot of preaching um, that helped us prepare to maneuver through this crisis or to sail through this storm. So not just the examples of the church and the metaphors of the church that you did right before this, but even going back to, you know, last year, I think it was the summertime last year, you were dealing with uh, releasing reluctant leaders um, and encouraging leaders to, you know, get closer to God and to step out on faith and to um, increase their prayer life and to develop their, well, discover their gifts, develop their, their gifts, and then to use their gifts for the kingdom. So you've been doing a lot of preaching even before this crisis to prepare us, uh, prepare leaders, prepare the church, so that we can continue to thrive and strive to the next level, you know, after this crisis is over. So we commend you, sir, for being open uh, to the voice of God, being obedient to the voice of God. Yeah, and, and another way we try to prepare our congregation for the past, what is it, 27 years, uh, we've taught money management. And people say, well, you know, they talk about money too much over there. Well, we were talking about helping you to manage money properly, that you invest in yourself, you go work hard, you give a percentage to God, pay a percentage to yourself, pay your taxes in full and on time, live within your means, leave those credit cards alone. And then the goal is to save a minimum of six months worth of salary in case something jumps off, you'll be able to sail through it. Now, and the thousands of people that listen and applied that, that has six months worth of income, even if you did lose your job, at least you, you could still pay your expenses, pay your rent, you still live for six months and just you can get through this storm. So we tried to prepare people before the storm, before the storm. Yes, sir. And it may not have made sense when the sun was shining, Come but on. it make a lot of sense now that it's raining. So anyway, <laughs> that's my take on that. All y'all talking about, he talk about that too much. Now you're thanking me. So hallelujah. Well, listen, if you uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the service that we are referencing, or maybe you've heard them and you just want to get a, a reminder, uh, you can go on our YouTube channel, our podcast, and our app, and uh, be able to listen to all the sermons that have been preached um, because that releasing reluctant leaders was very powerful. And then, of course, um, I, I don't know if you about to say this about your own preaching or you, you referenced that somebody else said it, but you you don't miss a moment or an opportunity to speak on stewardship, you know, regardless of the text you pull, you'll find a way. <laughs> <laughs> you'll find a way to reference. Uh, um, we need to, that, that. You're going to need to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> I'm like Jesus. Whatever Jesus talked about, I talked about it. Jesus, he did reference stewardship an awful lot. Vernon John said Jesus spoke 20 times more about money than he did about the kingdom, than he did about prayer, than he did about fasting. 
because this mentality we have towards money. You got I lose you. Yeah, this you mentality. Can. Yeah, I got to start charging my stuff up at night. I ain't talking as much on my devices. <laughs> I don't charge them anyway. Jesus spoke twenty times more about money than the kingdom and prayer because this mentality we have towards money gets in the way of what God is trying to do in our life. So I'm heavy in the stewardship about our time, our gifts, our skills, and the resources that God has given to us. Yes, but sir. so was Jesus. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, Doc, we I appreciate you, uh, you know, sacrificing your your rest and, or your time with us tonight. Uh, before we get out of here, though, I want I want you to share a uh, what do we call it? A preview, a sermonic preview. Oh, uh, that you, that you, that you are thinking about talking about on Sunday. I know you kind of change sometimes at the last minute, but what uh, has God shared with you so far that you want to share with God's people come Sunday? Well, I, I hope that th those who've been following us and tell your family and friends and your coworkers, amen, share how they can get the gospel, and get the word as well. Since they're in the crisis and you know, if I'm ministering to you and blessing you, then let them know that so they can be blessed as well. But uh, we're in Genesis chapter eight. I think we stopped at verse 12. So we're in verse 13. So just start reading verse 13. Keep reading. And um, and and you're going to hear God telling Noah, it's time to come out of the ark. And hopefully the, the message that we're going to get into people's hearts, minds, souls, and spirit is this storm is not going to last forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're we're quarantined now and we're shut in now. And, and a lot of people making all this noise at some point. We're going to come out of this. And so that's my encouragement to somebody. Go ahead and read Genesis 8. And I, I promise you, God is going to bring you out. You, God is not going to leave you in what you're going through forever. You're coming out of this. Hallelujah. So that's hopefully that will encourage people. I think so. And we look forward to that powerful word as always. Uh, and, uh, you know, before we before we before we get out of here for real, what are your thoughts on uh, uh, the last dance? Have you been watching <laughs> Jordan? And, and you South? know, I lived that stuff. I was the chaplain <laughs> for the Indiana Pacers, which went to the Eastern Conference Finals several times. Yeah. And uh, and Mark Jackson would make sure I had tickets in Chicago. So, I, of course, I'm the chaplain for the Pacers. So I'm there that I would be in Chicago. So I, I, I keep looking for myself in stands to see if I can find me. I think they're going to talk about Rich Miller. So they might, I might get a little, y'all might see me over there. Yeah. So, uh, no, you know, Michael Jordan had uh, a great, great impact on the game and uh, in business and economics, uh, socially, um, and, and just what all that means. And it's just, it's very interesting, but it, it brings back a lot of fond memories. Uh, I think I, I was when I was chaplain. It was Dale Davis and Antonio Davis and Jalen Rose and Mark Jackson, Reggie Miller, uh, Al. I can't even. You know, Al Harrington was 18 years old when he came to us, and last time I saw him, married with three kids. I'm like, man, Jesus. So it's it's really it's really interesting. Travis Best was on the team. Derek McKee. Mm -hmm. uh, Fred Jones. So it's bringing back a lot of good memories for me because I, I would, and you, you know, son, you would go there to the chapel services. 
And back, you know, before 9-1-1, before those planes flew into the towers, we had the players in there, their wives, their girlfriends, their children, the ushers. We would have church. Uh, and I would be in there teaching God's word and praying with them. And we had a, it was, it was great. So just bring it back some, some fond memories. And finally, when Jordan got finished, I was the chaplain. When we finally won the Eastern Conference Finals and was went to the, to the NBA Finals and ran into Shaq and Kobe, man. So, uh, we anyway, couldn't win. Uh, fine, man. Yeah. We couldn't win. <laughs> but we were there, too. Your mom and I was flying to California. Mark Jackson took care of us, man. I got Remember, I'm going to hit him up when we get finished to remind him, thank you for taking care of us. So uh, that was cool. Listen, was next time fun. I see you, though, I'm going to have to download the uh, the NBA app for you because they have all the NBA finals from 2000 to 2019. You can watch all the, the finals on there. So I'll, I got oh. to kind of look at uh, the 2000 finals that you're referencing when the Pacers played the Lakers. And uh, in one of those games, I was your mom and I was sitting – behind the basket we were sitting next to destiny's child they were little kids then that's before <laughs> you know they came to world before they, uh, they we sat right behind destiny's child so if you see destiny's child look right behind them and that's me and your mom <laughs> but we were kids too we were young back then. <laughs> and that's those are those are fine memories man that's yeah. so we're gonna have to get a camera we're gonna have to get a camera crew to uh to follow you around man and, and shoot your documentary so we can play your yeah, days are gone i'm uh <laughs> I'm I'm finished. I'm trying to. I told you what I want: new leadership. <laughs> I'm praying God raise up new leadership. Uh, well, I'm sure. The, well, the Bible says that the God will hear and answer your prayer. So, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. And uh, we appreciate all of you who are tuned in today. Thank you for your comments, your likes, your shares. Thank you for engaging with us tonight. And uh, we continue to ask you. To tell your family and friends to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on our social media platforms. Uh, we are continuing to grow on our YouTube channel. We were at like 200 before all this took off. And so now we're up to like 17, 1800 subscribers. So we appreciate uh, your help and assistance as we share Jesus and share the gospel. And we ask that you continue to pray for our pastor uh, and um, our church uh, in this season. And we'll continue to pray for you and your family as well. Uh, thank you.